Hi, thanks for listening. This is Sean Hathaway. This is my podcast, Breakaway, where we're going to talk about all things finance and current events. The goal here is to always educate. Ideally, you come away with some ideas for uh, investments or things not to invest in, or just get some general education around the finance world. So this is what we call earnings season, meaning the quarter, the calendar quarter just ended for Q3, and a lot of companies are now releasing earnings. So I'm going to talk about Tesla on this podcast. I have so much to talk about on Tesla that I may... Uh, likely we'll do another podcast next week just going into even more detail there because there's so much juicy information. Such a cool company to talk about. Uh, before then, though, I'm going to jump into some other other news here, Google Antitrust. And uh, before that, just another another little tidbit of a um, little quiz. It's a test. So if you have listened to me or know me, you know that I talk about media companies a lot because they're interesting and fun. So what do... Warner Media, so that's like HBO, Viacom CBS, so that's like CBS, Disney, and NBC Universal that also just released Peacock. What do those four companies have in common? HBO, CBS, Disney, NBC, Peacock. What do they have in common? You're probably going to say, oh, they're all media companies, they all do TV shows and movies, that's all right. But they also all are doing streaming, and they're all competing against like Netflix and Amazon. But guess what else they all have in common, which I found funny <laughs> and pathetic, is that they all it, they all invested in, in Quibi. And Quibi this week, or yesterday, today, basically just said they're shutting down the business. Now, Quibi... I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's supposed to stand for like Quick Bites. Maybe it's Quibi. Either, either way, it's just not a good name. But uh, that was founded and like started by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. Jeff Katzenberg like made his fame and Mark working at Disney. And then later he founded like, uh, what was it, DreamWorks and, and Meg Whitman. Of course, she, she was famous working at eBay and ran for governor and uh, all sorts of things like that. Um, so... Uh, this is supposed to be this short form video that you watch for like five or 10 minutes. Serious question. Like, did anybody watch it? And by the way, how did they ever think that it was going to be successful? Because Netflix, I guarantee you, or anyone else for that matter, Amazon is sitting there watching on, okay, we'll watch them do that. And as soon as it becomes successful, well, then Netflix will just, you know, hire somebody and, and have a little group of people that just starts doing short form content on Netflix. All right, and then they'll just have another window. Here's our five to ten minute TV shows or whatever they are. So I, I just, I, I can't even believe this thing got off the ground. But, um, you know, good for them, I guess, for trying, whatever that means. But anyway, so I think it's funny that Warner Media, Viacom, Disney, and NBC, who are all trying to compete against Netflix and, and kind of get streaming going, they're the ones, they're like four of the biggest investors in this. You know, it's almost like Hulu all over again. If you don't know the history of Hulu, it was all kind of founded by three or four different big media companies. Oh, man, these guys. Um, anyhow, uh, that's the Quibi story. On to Google antitrust, which I think is totally fascinating. So there's so many, like, angles going on here. So quick background, the government's been talking, and by the way, this is like a bipartisan issue because I think it's Republicans and Democrats that have been talking about uh, how there's too much power 
uh, too too little competition now with these big tech companies, and specifically talking about Google, Amazon, Facebook. Who am I forgetting here? Google, Amazon, Facebook. Uh, there's another one in there. Apple. That's who. Um, but anyway, so they 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 pulled the trigger and and and, and filed a, a a lawsuit. The government Department of Justice anti-competition. Uh, lawsuit against Google. And that's a big, big, big deal, by the way, when they do that. I think the last big one was against Microsoft, you know, 20 years ago or something. Bill Gates is up there uh, testifying. By the way, an interesting thing I read said that apparently Bill Gates said that that he, he um, this antitrust lawsuit had him so sidetracked and so distracted that, that, that it was during that time that they ceded and kind of lost focus and ceded their their ceded to Google the I, the software for for phones. So, so basically, you know, they had all the Windows stuff and had all the software for computers, and then they knew that the phones were going to be a big deal. But Google kind of got ahead of them on Android. Anyway, he's blaming the antitrust stuff for that. Who the who the hell knows? So what's going on here? So basically, Google. Um, uh, I'm just kind of looking at some stats they had in the newspaper, see if these are right. I'm sure they're in the ballpark. But basically, Google owns 92% of search, with Bing shortly followed, following like a super distant second place with I don't even know what tiny percentage. 92% of search, though, that's a lot. And I mean, I use them. I'm, most people do. 40 to 50% of uh, digital ad sales are through Google. Um, they have 75% of the world's smartphone. I was just talking about how Bill Gates said he lost that. I mean, everybody in the United States, well over 50% of the people in the United States now are using Apple phones, but uh, in the rest of the world, you know, people use Android uh, software to power those less expensive phones. So they have 75% of smartphone software in the world, 87% of maps, and that's kind of, that includes Waze, W-A-Z-E, which I used to use, by the way, until they royally screwed me one time when I was driving to Tahoe, sent me off the road and added at least 15 minutes to my drive. So I still use Google Maps. They have 73% of um, of uh, uh, user, uh, what am I trying to say here? User like uploaded video content. So kind of basically like what YouTube is. So so it's kind of, the, if you're going to upload video and for the whole world to see, uh, you know, maybe TikTok's coming in there now, but it's kind of like YouTube. You go to YouTube. I guess Vimeo is also one. I've never used it. And then they've got um, 66% of internet browsers. And internet browser is different than internet search because it's like it's kind of the software you're using. So they're talking about Chrome here. Um, and, and that was one of the big, you know, Microsoft uh, Microsoft uh, issues with Explorer. Um, so anyhow, so so they got they do a lot. The government's going to sue them. Uh, one of the things that I didn't know until I was reading all this, I guess apparently Apple or or Google pays billions of dollars. One estimate was $10, $11 billion a year to Apple so that when you go into Safari on Apple, which everybody just does because it's there, the uh, the search engine that's, that's powering Safari is, is Google. So they're basically paying $10 billion for that kind of pull position, if you will. Um, so... I guess the government has to show that kind of like Google is causing anti-competitive harm, anti-competitive harm in a well-defined market. Well, 
Who knows? We'll, we'll see if this happens. One of the things I think, though, I do think that there was some politics around this. I do think that there's bipartisan, um, generally bipartisan support to looking at these monopolistic behaviors in these big tech companies, because let's face it, they exist. But the reason this came up now is because there's an election in two weeks. So I do think Donald Trump wants to kind of look strong, uh, that he's kind of looking out for the consumer. But the other thing that's interesting here that, that isn't getting – well, I'm, I'm not sure if they've connected these dots very much in the news. But Google's been suppressing or definitely accused of suppression, suppressing some, some information related to COVID. And you know me, I always like to talk about COVID because it's just really interesting how, how uh, polarizing of a topic it is. So there was this, this, this paper that came out earlier this week or late last week called the Great Barrington Declaration – it was essentially penned by three epidemiologists from Stanford, Harvard, and Oxford. So basically like three of the best schools in, in the absolute world. And then it was signed by hundreds of others, people. Apparently some of them were, were um, fake people. But nevertheless, it was, it was written by really famous people. Basically saying, hey, we need a different approach to COVID. Shutdowns aren't good. We should protect the protect the protect the high-risk you know, population, elderly, people with comorbidities, and then everyone else should go about living their life, blah, 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 blah. Well, I know this to be true. For at least a day or some parts of the day, you couldn't find the Great Barrington Declaration in a Google search because I tried. I tried, and I couldn't find it. And then now it's totally there. It's all over the place. And people are saying, oh, Google never suppressed it. I guarantee they did because I actually looked for it. Um, and then another one that I think is still suppressed is there was a YouTube video back in April about these these urgent care doctors in Bakersfield. And they were basically saying, hey, and these guys are like totally reasonable. They're sitting there giving this like 40-minute talk, just kind of saying, hey, you know, we, we're seeing from what we've been seeing over the last couple months and what we understand of this is this seems to be a very dangerous issue. COVID is a very dangerous issue for older folks and blah, 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 people with comorbidities, blah, blah, blah. And it was just kind of like they're just talking. And then somehow this video gets completely banned from YouTube. And the and this is what this is what blows me away. What Google said, they actually put out a statement that said they are going to remove media and like um, you know articles, etc., from their website and from YouTube that are I'm, I'm putting this in quotes by the way that are in contradiction of the local health authority contradiction of the local health authority i mean what that sounds like something from a movie it sounds like uh something i'd see in a movie in 30 years from now in some like authoritarian dystopian state country or what you might see today in china or north korea uh so i guess i was personally appalled and that, that google did this now so they're removing things that are in contradiction of the local health authority. So if you write something or have an opinion that is in contrast to your local uh, health authority, uh, where I live, I guess that would be the Santa Clara Health Health Authority um, in California. Uh, God, what was that doctor's name? Sarah Cody. She drives me nuts. She's like in charge of it. Um, anyway, if I have something that's against her uh, opinion, apparently it's not going to be it's not going to be published. On Google or YouTube. So anyway, this actually is none of this suppression of information is actually, and I'm sure there are like many more instances. Those are just two that came to my mind. Now, none of this suppression of information is actually, I don't think it ties into the, 
kind of the lawsuit against the the comp- anti-competitive behaviors and mon- monopolistic behaviors lawsuit. But I kind of think that it might play into the timing because it, it's certainly suspicious. Anyhow, that's that's uh, that's my my take on Google for now. More to come on that. Uh, let's get to Tesla. Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. Record revenue for the quarter, $8.8 billion, with a B, as in boy, dollars. Record production deliveries, record net income, and record free cash flow, $1.4 billion. This is the company that two years ago people were saying is going bankrupt. Yeah, not happening. Um, I'm just going to, I have so much, this is the most interesting, fascinating, original, innovative company in the world. There's so much to say about it. I'm doing a separate podcast next week. Um, by the way, I just got notification that I have also a financial advisory practice. I'm getting audited by the state of California next week. So, um, I might have to wait till the end of the week cause I got to figure out all this stuff I got to give them. Um, you should see the request list. Oh my goodness. Um, anyhow, Back to Tesla. So this company is incredible, and I'm trying to figure out my portfolio is not very liquid, but I'm going to have to figure out how to liquidate or what to liquidate in order to buy more Tesla. And people are going to say, buy more Tesla. Oh my gosh, you know they're valued at, I think it was 380 billion dollars recently. That's a lot, obviously, but I think, and I'm going to make super bold statement here, but I fundamentally believe this is the company that's going to be three, four, five trillion. Yeah, with a T, uh, $5 trillion company in, I don't know, five to 10 years. This, there's, there's so much room for growth here. It's, it's insane. So uh, real quick here, not real quick, but um, more, more on a later podcast because there's just really too much to talk about. There's so many insights when these guys talk on the, on the earnings call. It's Elon and, and his kind of top, top executives of solar and battery, et cetera. So one what I found super fascinating is Elon Musk believes their, their, their biggest competitive advantage over time is manufacturing. Manufacturing. And he talks about it so much and how it's so complex and how bringing up these, these gigafactories. And, and keep in mind, they got their factory in Fremont and they're building one or they just you know completed uh, construction of Shanghai about a year ago now. And then they're now building one in Austin and Berlin. He said that once they're built, it takes 12 to 18 months to come up to full capacity, which is interesting. He talks about how it's like 10,000 parts and little processes that need to come together. And obviously, kind of like the weakest link and chain analogy, the slowest process is going to be uh, slowing down the entire process. So he talks about it, uh, how it's one of the most complex problems he's ever solved. And when you think about the problems that he's solving, like getting to Mars or um, you know full self-driving, uh, it, that's a pretty big statement, bold statement, very, um, very cool. So I would also say, you know, he says that that's their biggest competitive advantage, but you could also look at like, why isn't batteries their competitive advantage? Remember, they're building, uh, they're building their own batteries um, in the future. They have their gigafactory, gigabattery factory in Nevada. And he, he also talked about on the call, which I thought was super cool And the, during their battery day. They're looking at batteries, not like how to incrementally improve existing technology. They're saying, no, let's just build, how do we build a new battery using the latest and greatest rules of physics, you know, that we have? I mean, who's, who talks like that? It's just cool. So, and then other competitive advantage in my mind, full self-driving, 
again, they talked about this. He compared full self-driving to like Google, okay? So they have over a million cars driving around right now collecting data. And all of this data feeds and informs their analysis and mapping technology and radar technology, or something radar, but all of these technologies around like how the car can drive. And, and, and they're learning more than all other companies in my mind combined that are trying to do this, whether it's what Uber used to be doing or GM's doing or um, uh, Google is doing or it's Alphabet, etc. So they are eons ahead of any competition when it comes to full self-driving. And they just rolled out a beta of full self-driving. So there's actually... Um, customers, you know, people like you and me, safe drivers who are, are, are being allowed to use the full self-driving technology right now. Very cool. Um, so what else do we want to talk about? I just don't think anybody's going to be able to catch Tesla in terms of affordability. They're constantly decreasing the cost of their cars. They're increasing their economies of scale, their production capacity. Um, they're now, uh, they have sales and service in over 40 countries I mean, he talked about that too. So actually, I, I will touch on one cool thing that I think he talked about was the number of startups that are within Tesla. And people don't fully uh, appreciate this. I'd say like very, very few people understand or appreciate uh, the number of startups, in, which is a reflection or of innovation within, within the company. So you know, this isn't a complete list, but you talked about autonomy, that full self-driving. Just that whole team is like a startup within Tesla. The Tesla operating system. So all of the software and, that, that drives manufacturing and all of the computer systems, if you will, and operating systems within Tesla, the cars and the factory, it's all, it's all, um, it's all internally developed. They don't rely on any third-party software. I mean, I'm sure there's some, you know, here and there, but generally speaking, it's all internally developed, which is a huge competitive advantage as well. Um, and then the computer chips. So the computer chips, <clears throat> they're, they're developing their own chips that basically, that's what drives the AI for the full self-driving and many other things, I'm sure, that, um, within the car itself. The supercharger network, you know, uh, that's where you charge your cars. Motors and drivetrains, a startup. Sales and service line he talked about. You know, let's not forget about Tesla. People forget this, and it was a big deal a couple of years ago because there were some lawsuits. There may still be about, you know, if you think about Toyota, GM, I have a GM. I go to the dealership, try to get a service. It's just a terrible pain in the butt. They're like, oh, we got to talk to the, you know, we got to call up GM and see if we'll do this. You know, it, Tesla owns all of their sales and service um, outlets, if you will. They have no, they don't have the traditional dealership uh, it's almost like a franchise, if you will, of, of how all the other car lines work. So anyway, that's a that's a startup. <coughs> Excuse me. And like I said, they're in 40 different countries, 40 different languages, 40 different rule sets. Uh, batteries is a startup. Insurance is a startup. And by the way, he said that insurance could, could end up being 30 to 40% of the value of the car. Now, what does that mean? Well, he's saying that they're, they're firing up their own insurance line, which is going to, if you think about insurance, for all these big companies, Geico, Progressive, AIG, whatever, they make a lot of money by selling auto insurance, okay? And so when you buy a Tesla in the future, you're probably going to use Tesla's insurance because they're not going to use or base your rates or premiums on a statistical analysis. It's going to be a specific analysis, 
Those are the words he used. What does that mean? It means they're going to look at your specific driving behavior. They know how fast you accelerate. They know what roads you take. Imagine that. Very cool. So, and, and then there's the robo taxi system, which people, everybody kind of poo pooed that a year ago. Ah, it's totally unrealistic, a robo taxi system. <laughs> when Elon Musk talks about it, like a robo taxi system, uh, that's, I think it's self explanatory. But it's, it is not unrealistic, all right? He's talking about landing people on Mars before 2030. I think the robo taxi system is going to help or going to happen. So um, I think the other key thing kind of gleaned from this from this meeting uh, or call was was that um, Tesla is is vertically integrated. Okay, he said they're like ten percent similar to other car companies. And what does that mean? So people are like, well, what about these other electric companies coming up? You know, Rivian, Nikola, GM's got some cool electric cars coming. So does Ford. But but. He's what they call catalog manufacturing. At the end of the day, these companies are buying all of their parts kind of from similar suppliers. Whereas Tesla, and he specifically said this, when they say they need to build something, they build the machine that builds the machine that builds the parts. So they're highly vertically integrated and are able to design and make the perfect car. Um, and, and no other company is doing that, and they're so far behind. And it used to just be that they're far behind on the technology front. Now they're far behind on the actual manufacturing process. And I love the. he also talked about, like, if you're going to build a model car, like these little toy matchbox cars a lot of us used to have, um, maybe still have, they're, they're die-cast molding. They basically make a mold, the car comes out in one piece, got four little tires that connect to it. But cars today, they have kind of the what's called like the skateboard platform, and then you build everything on top of it. Um, and it's easy, but it's not, but it doesn't make sense. Okay, so really, he's saying full size cars should be just kind of die cast molded in, in one big piece, you know, and then maybe you put the leather seats in, and some of the moving parts obviously have to be separate, but everything else should just be one big piece. And that's where they're moving, and no one else is moving there, no one else is going there. I'll end now and just say, look, Tesla is, I've said this before, it's not a car company. Tesla is a technology company that's building cars. It's an energy company. I think in the next five to 10 years, energy will actually be bigger because everybody who lives, you know, kind of in the Southern Hemisphere, not Southern Hemisphere, but Southern United States and anywhere um, where it's sunny is going to have the Tesla Tesla roofing on their house. They're going to have the battery pack in their garage. They're going to have the car that drives. Um, and everything is going to be powered by, by Tesla. Uh, the technology is... I, I just think they're getting to a point where, where nobody can catch them. At least not in the next 10 years. Uh, so I, I usually don't say this is a stock to buy, but I'm, I'm calling it right now. This is a stock to buy. This is a stock that's going to... They're going to be a $5 trillion company, maybe more in 10 years. Incredible. Okay, more to come on Tesla. Just super impressed. It is so fun listening to Elon Musk talk. I just I would encourage everybody to go listen to the, to the uh, earnings call. So that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going to go golf. It is Friday, and I'm looking forward to a weekend and not looking forward to my audit next week. But um, we'll see how that goes. All right, see you all. Bye.